The number, one 9646 to get a hold of Savan James, the rest of the team, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Lots to uh, cover today on the show. Bunch of emails, questions as well. We'll get to the injury calculator and fightformyltd.com. Lots of stuff to get through. We always start, uh, guys, with the week that was. How are things? What's going on? Who's going to be first? Uh, I'll do it first, All right, uh, John. All right. So it was a very, very busy week. Let me start off with uh, an email that I received from a lady who uh, emailed me on behalf of her sister. Her sister was in a car accident. Let me just read to you the actual email, and then we can dissect it. So she writes, Hi, Sivan Hopal as well. Wondered if you could help me with something. My sister-in-law, sorry, sister-in-law, was injured in an accident while in a cab in Toronto Friday morning. Um, The driver was speeding and hit another cab. She broke her wrist and is a dental hygienist without any disability insurance. She can't work now and has no source of income and does not know what to do. Would it be possible to have a conversation with her to advise her on her rights? I feel terrible for mm-hmm. her. She's scheduled for surgery on Monday at St. Michael's Hospital, and she would be available to talk uh, anytime before that. And of course, I exchanged immediately some emails with her and explained to her uh, what we could do. And, and you know, one of the questions she asked me is, she said her sister obviously is not working right now and money's an issue, so would we be okay speaking with her without uh, charging anything for right. it? And, and you know, my response obviously was immediate. As people know, we don't charge for these consultations. We'll be more than happy to speak with you, to give you all your legal options. And, and, you know, this is an interesting case because as we're going to talk about the injury calculator uh, tool that we have that we've been talking about on every show pretty much for the last few years, this is one of those cases where, you know, the pain and suffering component of uh, this lady's claim could be $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, whatever the amount is that she may be entitled to, and maybe even less than that. But the income loss component that she may be entitled to, depending on the severity of her injury and whether or not she's able to go back to work and in what capacity, could dwarf that amount. So again, you can have situations where a person has a claim for an injury that for someone else may may be not, you know, life-altering. An injury that may, uh, you know, garner you about, I don't know, $30,000, for example, but yet the impact on your ability to earn income as a result of that injury, you could potentially be looking at the loss of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, for loss of income. So it's very, very important to uh, speak with us immediately after an accident or as soon as you can so that we can actually uh, give you all the legal options that you have and make sure you understand what needs to be done right now from a legal standpoint. The doctors will take care of the medicine, right. but you need to know what you need to do, what papers have to be filed with the insurance company, especially when you're dealing in situations like this where you have cab drivers and there's potentially different kinds of insurance that are involved. You don't want to be you know, messing around with that. You want to make yeah. sure you focus on the medicine. Let us deal with the paperwork. Another point I want to just piggyback mm-hmm. on here. Um, so Simon was talking about the free consultation, and certainly um, that is the way we all practice in our, in our group. Um, but what I think is important is some people hear that and still have some hesitation because you, they have a mistrust for lawyers or what have you. So let's be very clear about what we mean by free consultation. Certainly you're not going to pay us anything now. But if you do decide to retain us, you're not going to pay anything for that consultation down the road either. It is completely free in every way that you can imagine. There is no risk whatsoever. So if you do have legal questions, come talk to us. There's no risk to you at all. Brilliant. Warm. Yeah, let's talk about mm-hmm. another case. And sure. this one made my, uh, made my my blood boil when I got sure. this. So this is a lady who emailed me directly again after listening to the show. This is a long-term disability claim. This is a lady that's 40 years old. Uh, and uh, get this, John. Uh, 
Uh, she has uh, a, a very unusual disorder. It's called vasculitis, which is inflammation of the blood vessels. Uh, she has bleeding from her lungs. She was just wow. diagnosed with a brain tumor. She's scheduled for surgery. And guess what? She was rejected by her long-term disability insurer who says that <laughs> oh, she can my. actually still work, that there's not enough medical proof. I'm not going to go into the other details of this case, but this is the kind of stuff that we see sometimes. I mean, listen, not everyone, thank God, has a brain tumor. This lady has a lot to deal with. Does she really have to also deal with this insurance company that's coming to her and saying, we don't believe that your disability or your functionality is impaired enough that you can't work? I mean, this is simply insane. And by the way, uh, not only did she send me that email, she attached some medical documents, and I saw some of the letters from her doctors to the insurance company that apparently have been ignored. Again, we're going to be dealing with this. We're going to make sure the, comp- the insurance company pays for this. But this is one of those situations that, again, I, I just, I'm not making this up. This is, I'm getting these kinds of emails. James is getting these kinds of emails. We speak to these individuals every day. You know, to, to think that some insurance companies are actually getting away with this, as far as I'm concerned, that's getting away with murder. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, so anyways, that's all I have to say. This is, this is just a crazy, crazy case, but we do uh, come across these. And thank God that she actually reached out to us because we are going to be able to help this lady. And you know, John, unfortunately, many people, even people in these kinds of dire circumstances, choose simply to walk away because they have to focus on their health. They have to focus on what they're battling right here and right now. And in the meantime, by the time they actually recover sufficiently to be able to deal with the legal issue, the time may have expired. So it's really, really important if you are dealing with a situation like this or any situation with long-term disability, you've been cut off, uh, you've been denied LTD, Mm -hmm. you know someone in that situation contact us. Let us help you. At least let us give you the information you need so that you can make an informed decision on how to proceed. It just seems preposterous that, I mean, not having enough medical information, blah, blah, is one thing. When you're scheduled for an actual surgery and they still think you're well enough to go to work. It's absolutely crazy, John. It's, <laughs> it's, this is the stuff from the movies, but it happens. It really does happen. one 990 would be the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce over to some of your emails. I know James has got some stuff to cover. After we uh, take a short break here, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. And injurycalculator.ca is the place to go for that. James, what do you got, pal? I had a woman contact me this week about a critical illness policy that she has. We don't spend an awful lot of time talking about critical illness right. policies, but I think it's useful that we um, talk about it just for a little bit. So first of all, what is a critical illness policy? What it does is it ensures you for a lump sum payment in the event that you develop any number of um, certain designated um, diseases or conditions. So things like cancer, Alzheimer's, um, certain surgeries, blindness, deafness, um, heart attacks, kidney failure, loss of speech. MS and so on Pretty and big so list. forth. Yeah. Um, it's it's not an expansive list. Right. They are defined. There are certain conditions that will meet the criteria. But the way that it works is if you're covered under the policy and you develop any of these conditions, you get a lump sum payout. It is not a question of how much you need or having to prove that you need certain treatment. If you have one of these conditions that meets the criteria, you get the predetermined payout, depending on how much premium you're paying. That's time-specific, right, for 10 years or whatever. Yeah, but you can get different levels of of benefits, and it's it's all adjustable. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the way it works, and it's you know it, it's good insurance. It's it's good to have. One of the things that's interesting though is it is included in some but not all group insurance policies. And I say that because there are a lot of people walking around that are covered by critical illness insurance and don't know it. It's just part of their policy with their group insurance. They have it. It may be for a smaller amount, but it's still okay. insurance that you are paying for that you're entitled to if you develop any of these conditions. So if anything that I've said rings a bell, take a look and see if you're covered for that. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, I had a lady contact me who developed uh, recently, she developed breast cancer, had a mastectomy. When she was first covered for the insurance back about four years ago, she was finishing up just getting um, tested to make sure that she didn't have a recurrence of a previously diagnosed cancer. It was a completely different form of cancer. And as we know, there are you know dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of different types of cancer. One is not the same as the other. And if you read the policy, the policy is clear that it is not an issue whether you had cancer generically. It had to be a specific type of cancer. And if you had that before, that would be an exclusion. And that's fair. The insurance company isn't um, you know there to insure you against something you already have. Sure. But this was not that case. This was you know someone who had... Um, previously had cancer before she was on the policy. Um, it was completely gone. Um, they had removed it. It was not an ongoing issue. In fact, the test that she had shortly after she was insured showed exactly that, sure. that she no longer um, had any cancer cells. And so four years later, she develops breast cancer, and guess what happens? They deny her. So they act you know, much the same way as they do in disability policies and in injury claims. Um, but this is one where she's going to be quite fortunate, I believe, because she has a doctor who's been treating her that helped write um, some of the guidelines and recommendations and heard that they refused her on the basis of a pre-existing condition and went apoplectic. And I I think just based on that, she's actually going to be able to get her benefits reinstated. But in any case, John, I bring it up because I think it's important that people are aware of this type of insurance. Um, Whether or not you want to go ahead and purchase that, you know, you make that decision, you talk to your broker and you do what's best for you, but you may already have it. And if you do... Um, take a look and see if you have any of the conditions that meet the criteria. It's almost like a knee-jerk reaction that, you know, basically what James is saying between that and, and injury. It's like right away, try to make a claim tonight. Yeah, it, it does happen quite a lot. And, and you know, again, remember, when people get denied, that same letter that uh, stipulates that they've been denied also states at the bottom that they have a right to appeal, appeal. right? And by the way, the lady that I was mentioning before with the brain tumor, uh, and the bleeding from the lungs, she actually contacted me not just uh, to deal with the, the denial, but she actually asked me if I can help her appeal that decision. Yeah. So people are still under the mis- you know the misapprehension that you know these appeals actually work. And, and again, listen, I mean, I don't know, one out of a hundred. I don't. In our experience, I can tell you that these appeals rarely work. And oftentimes, what they do is they simply frustrate the individual. They frustrate the family. People walk away because they've been denied once, twice, three times, however long. And then by the time they figure that they have to actually consult a disability lawyer, an insurance lawyer, by that point, they may very well, um, you know, uh, ran out of the time that they have, which is two years from the initial denial to make a legal claim. So, you know, don't go down that route. There's absolutely no point. Uh, and, 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 you know, people out there who have done that, uh, oftentimes contact us and, and, you know, the first thing they say is, I, I should have listened to you or, yeah. or, you know, if had I known, I, I would not have done that and, and you know. Full but, of frustration. Exactly. And, and, and you know, yeah. oftentimes by the time they come to us, we could have probably resolved their claim by that point. So 
very, very important to make sure that, you know, you, you give us a call so we can give you your legal options. I mean, you're not paying anything for that. So yeah. why not do that? Getting back to uh, the critical illness yes. for just a moment, one of the things I think that um, we should be clear about that distinguishes critical illness insurance from your typical long-term and short-term disability policies is that if you do have the defined conditions that are required in order to get paid out on the policy, it is actually much harder for the insurer to deny you. Now, they can if they can say that you have a pre-existing condition, as happened with the lady I was talking about. But it's much harder for them to make out the case that you don't have a condition that is typically something that's objective. You either have cancer or you don't. Um, you know, if you have kidney failure or a heart attack, that's something that no one's really going to dispute. The only way is if there's an exclusion that you might fall under. And of course, if there's any whiff of that, you can bet the insurer is going to try and deny you in those circumstances too, but it's harder. It's narrow. There are narrower options for them to rely on in order to try and deny those claims. And, and you know, on that point of exclusions, so in situations where insurance companies deny your claim on the basis of an exclusion, one of the things they don't tell you, and most people don't know, is that these exclusions are... Um, they're interpreted very narrowly by the courts. In other words, if an insurance company wants to rely on an exclusion to deny a claim, if this ever went before a judge, very few of these cases ever make it to court, but if it ever did, judges are so you know, hesitant uh, you know, to, to side with the insurance company. I mean, the exclusion wording has to be so precise and, and the insurance company's position has to really fall squarely within that. In other words, courts, judges will find... Uh, as much as possible in favor of the insured. And, and it's, it's really one of the pillars of insurance law that, you know, if you have an ambiguity in, in any way, reasonable ambiguity in the provisions of an insurance contract, that the courts will interpret that against the insurance company. Right. So don't simply assume that because you were denied on the basis of an exclusion that the insurance actually has a leg to stand on. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number anytime. It is help at the insurancelawyer.ca and mydisabilityquestions.com. If you haven't checked out that website, you can do that. It's free. It's easy to use. A lot of good information there. We'll go right to an email uh, after we return on a short break here at the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Jennifer writes in. Her says, uh, "I've been going back and forth with my LTD adjuster for months. She's trying to force me to go back to work, and I'm not ready." My psychologist even wrote her that she's making my condition worse, but she doesn't care. I'm really desperate. I'm afraid that they'll cut me off. I have a young boy and no income other than CPP disability coming in. What do I do if they cut me off the LTD? The the first thing that you should know, Jennifer, is they can't force you to go back to work. It is your decision. Now, you've rightly identified that if you don't go back to work, there is a possibility that they will cut you off. But you have to make that decision with your doctor and you know with the knowledge that if you refuse to go back, um, even with your doctor's support, that from a practical standpoint, yes, your insurer might cut you off. If they do cut you off, the answer is very simple. We bring a claim against them and we challenge their decision. If your doctor is supporting you, which he is in this case, um, then you, you know, at first glance, I'm going to tell you, you have a strong case to refute um, their position that you're able to go back to work. The other thing um, that you've mentioned here that I think is really important is that you're getting CPP disability. The test for CPP disability is a severe and prolonged disability. That is... I'm generally seen as a tougher test than what you have to pass 
in most LTD um, mm-hmm. policies, particularly in the first couple of years, where it's just a matter of whether or not you can go back to your own occupation. So it seems to me, if CPP disability is paying you out, then there shouldn't be much question as to whether or not you um, qualify for your own disability insurance. So I think you, you would have a very strong claim. From a practical standpoint, um, if you don't go back to work, um, there's you know every bit of the possibility that they will cut you off, but you're in a good position to challenge that if they do. You know what, John? I actually just got an, um, a, a question that was posted to uh, our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, mm-hmm. which is uh, interestingly similar to, to the situation here that Jennifer is describing. This is coming from uh, Timothy Kingston, and he writes, My employer approved my LTD claim and at the same time proposed a return-to-work schedule. Can they terminate my benefits if I don't agree to return-to-work schedule? I don't feel ready to start back yet. So, you know, he's indicating here that it's employer who's approved his LTD claim, um, which means the employer, it's, it's, it's presumably not an insurer, it's the employer that's paying this benefit. But at the same time, they're trying to get him back to work because, you know, they don't want to just pay him a disability uh, payment, they want him to actually work for it. And so in a way, it's a bit similar here to what Jennifer's talking about in terms of a return to work type of situation. And again, we find that a lot of people who contact us who are in that situation, you know, feel like they are being forced or compelled to go back to work. And oftentimes right. it's against their, you know, their doctor's advice. And, and oftentimes it's against uh, them themselves feeling ready that they can go back. Look, at the end of the day, uh, whether it's your employer that's paying your LTD or an insurance company, if they are telling you that they want you to try and go back to work and you are not ready and your doctors are saying that you're not ready, as far as I'm concerned, you have every right to say no, especially when your doctor is writing them saying you are not ready to go back to work. And, you know, if if you do go back to work, you know, against your, your doctor's advice, you know, that can actually be used against you down the road. I mean, even though the insurance company is trying to tell you to go back right. to work, the fact that you're not following medical advice, you know, th- there's an argument there that, you know, by going against your doctor's advice, you know, you have made your situation worse. So, you know, it's a kind of a catch-22. If you're in that situation, give us a call. L- let us talk to you about your case specifically. Remember, every case is specific on its facts. And this gentleman here, Timothy, who wrote us on this uh, questions website, is specifically asking us, uh, you know, what happens if he doesn't agree to that return to work schedule? Well, listen, his claim has been approved. Right. So ultimately, if it's been approved, the, the employer or whoever's paying is agreeing that he's unable to go back to work. So as long as his doctors continue to support that kind of a diagnosis or a prognosis that he's unable to go to work, there is no reason for him to try and go back to work unless he's ready, right. unless his doctors are ready. But again, you want to make sure that you know, just because the employer or the insurer is telling you to go back, that you're not telling your doctor to give you a note saying you're ready to go back. Okay, right. it's very important that you only go back if you are ready and if your doctor is saying that you are ready. James, what do you think? Well, there's one thing in there, um, in Timothy's email in particular, um, that I think people get tripped up a little bit on, and that is the issue of whether or not, uh, what they can do if he doesn't go back to work. Can they cut off his benefits? And so, you know, there's two different answers to that. There's the answer that, you know, if you look in the policy and, you know, if your doctors are saying you can't go back to work, then they have to keep paying you. But from a practical standpoint, they can cut you off and then you have to challenge them legally. It's sort of like, you know, if you think about a hockey a hockey game, you know, you can't trip another player, but that doesn't mean someone won't trip you. Right. It's just if they do, there's a, there's a penalty for that. Exactly. Right. So, you know, they, they might cut you off even though the policy says that they're not entitled to do that. And if they do 
then there's a penalty for that, which is we bring a claim against them. That's right. one 990 is the number. Email, which we'll get back to you after a short break. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, and it's here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You know, you talked uh, last segment, uh, James and Savannah, both about, uh, you know, dealing with the doctors and going back to work. What if someone's dealing with, it's not the insurance company, so much it's the doctor or even the clinic that they're seeing that they don't like and they switch up. Is there, you know, is there repercussions to doing that? As far as I'm concerned, if you want to switch because you feel that the clinic you're with is not helping right. you, you have every right to switch. And you know, l- let me go further than that. I-, I actually think that you have an obligation to yourself to switch. I mean, what's the point of going to a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or whoever it is you're going to, a doctor, mm. unless that person is actually helping you? And, you know, sometimes you want to get a second opinion, especially when you're dealing with more complicated types of illnesses or disabilities. So, you know, that should not affect, uh, you know, your your LTD claim. Now, you do have situations where the insurance company uh, from whom you've applied, uh, sorry, to whom you've applied for disability, they're the ones who are telling you you should go to Clinic clinic, X. Be very weary of that. Okay, right. that's not to say that Clinic X is not a good clinic, but the fact that the insurance company referred you to them, in my mind, that's a red flag. Why? Because at some point down the road, when the insurance company is going to be asking for opinions from those tr- people who are treating you as to whether you have healed or whether you're ready to go back, well, that clinic uh, may have uh, you know a different loyalty. Perhaps the loyalty will not be to you and to your health. Perhaps it will be to the insurance company because they know what the insurance company wants to hear which is that you are ready to go back. But again, the basic uh, answer here uh, to to the question is, if you feel that you need to switch clinics because the one you're going to is not helping you, you absolutely should. Every time you guys mention that, I know to a much less shifty degree, but it's like, you know, every time you you get in an accident or you get towed, it's the tow truck. No, I got a body shop. My guy's got a body shop. Go here. He'll take care of you. It it just has that feeling to it. I mean, it's not nearly that seedy, but it 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 could be, be, actually. Well, (laughs) well, maybe, right? It does, but I I mean, you know, I'm not going to suggest to you that every insurance company that recommends a particular right. clinic um, is doing that for their own benefit. But some of them are. And unless you have a way of knowing, um, you know, you have to use common sense. Right. And so, you know, there are definitely uh, clinics that are working a little too closely with insurers. And Savant's quite right. I'd be quite weary of that. I mean, and why shouldn't you? It's your health that you're talking about and your economic future. So you want to be sure. You want to use someone that you're comfortable with. So what do you guys do if someone, can you give recommendations? Like where does someone go ask a friend, maybe a family member, but they might not have anybody, right? Well, typically I I don't give recommendations. Mm -hmm. What I do is I tell them, uh, look, you know, go to your family doctor, see who they recommend or or go to friends. You know, a lot of people have gotten massage and Cairo before, so they have a clinic that they're comfortable with. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of people and, 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 and you know, um, sources where you can get good information about, you know, proper clinics in your area. Typically, I'd like to avoid referring people sure. to specific clinics just because, it, again, it looks as if the optics are not good, yep. right? I mean, why did I refer them to this particular clinic? Uh, so, you know, m- my default position is ask your doctor. Uh, surely that your doctor will know uh, good practitioners around in your area. One point you just made is um, a clinic in your area, and that's usually fairly critical for our clients because you know they're injured sure. um, and often have mobility issues. And so, you know, while you want to make sure that you're getting the best treatment you can, it's often not practical that you're driving, you know, to another city Three or across your city. Subway, yeah. Exactly, you want yeah. somewhere that is um, as close as possible that will do a good job for you. It's not necessarily the case that you're going to go across the city for the best 
you know, treatment right. center available. You want a competent treatment facility that will provide you with good services that is readily accessible to you. The email is help at the insurance lawyer.ca and the number anytime you know it, one 9646 Harry next up says, my wife was cut off LTD uh, two weeks ago. And she wanted to appeal, but I told her to call you. Harry's a smart guy. She thinks uh, we should not go with a lawyer because it could antagonize the insurer. Is that a risk we should consider? Oh, please do. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't mean to make light of it, Harry. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to deal with the appeal thing in a moment. But the first thing I think needs to be said here, you know, you're, the insurance company has cut your wife off. So you don't need to worry about antagonizing the insurer anymore. You know, if they are still paying your benefits, yes, you want to tread lightly. Um, and sometimes you might do a little bit more than you want to because you want to get the benefits for as long as possible. That's understandable. But that's not the case here. They've cut your wife off. So I'm not the least bit concerned about antagonizing them, and neither should you be. Um, in terms of the appeal, no, um, you shouldn't be appealing. Um, yes, um, call us, absolutely. The appeal, as we talk about virtually every single week on this show, is without any point. <laughs> You're appealing to the same entity that has already cut your wife off for benefits, and nobody else is taking a look at it but them. So to think that they're going to come to another decision in this you know, closed circle that they have um, is really wishful thinking. What's going to happen is it's going to delay your ability to actually recover from them. The only way that happens is if you go outside of that closed circle. If you start a legal claim and you take the control away from the insurance company, that's the only time when the ball really starts rolling in the direction you want it. Once you start the legal claim, that's when the ball starts rolling in the direction that you want it to. Before then, you're really just spinning your wheels. And you've mentioned so many times before that it's not just one appeal. This can go on and eat up the entire two-year limitation. Then you're, then you're done. Absolutely. And that's right. what they want you to do. They yeah. want you to stay within their closed circle for as long as you are willing to do it. And their hope is that that's going to go beyond the two-year limitation period. Because if it does, you've got no recourse. You're done. Brutal. Scary. Now, Harry, let me, let me tell you this. When I, when I read the email and I saw uh, that you said that, uh, you know, your wife's concerned about antagonizing the insurer, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, the time when I used to work for insurance companies as a defense lawyer. And I remember the conversations I used to have with the insurance adjusters that I was reporting to. And, of course, we would get claims or demands uh, for payment mm -hmm. from people who've been injured, uh, you know, without lawyers. So individuals who are simply seeking compensation. And we would try to deal with these individuals. And when some of them got lawyers, that did not antagonize my client, the insurance company. In fact, what he did is that the, insur the insurance company, the adjuster, went, uh-oh. In other words, when they get a claim on their desk, they immediately try and assess that claim and put aside a reserve, a certain amount of money that they think is going to take to resolve that claim. Yeah. Generally speaking, again, I'm talking from experience here. Generally speaking... As soon as there is a lawyer that gets on board, the reserves go up. Why? Because the insurance company understands that now it's not going to be uh, as easy to get rid of that individual who otherwise sure. would not know what their legal rights or the legal mechanisms are to get full compensation. And by the way, it's not just you know that a lawyer got on board. It's which lawyer and which law firm got on board. That reserve, that amount of money that insurance companies put aside for every individual claim gets adjusted throughout the life of the claim, depending on various facts, the facts of the case, Interesting. and depending if there is a lawyer and then which lawyer and which law firm. So keep that in mind. Forget about the idea of antagonizing the insurer. 
The insurer doesn't get antagonized. The insurer simply tries to figure out for how little money can they resolve this claim and make it go away. As soon as there is a good lawyer or a good law firm on the other side, they know that it just got a lot more expensive to resolve that claim. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. We mentioned the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca. I'll get Savannah to uh, expand on that after we take a short break and lots more. Of your emails coming right up. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. There is also a way to find out what the pain and suffering of your claim should be. It's called the Injury Calculator. Injurycalculator.ca. Give me some uh, some details on it, Savannah. I heard it's a great online tool. It's a fantastic tool, John. It's just, it's honestly, it's been used so much. Uh, and, and, you know, the funny thing is it's been used throughout Canada and even, you know, by some people in the States who don't understand that this calculator is yeah. built specifically for Canadians. And what is it? It's an online database that we created uh, that allows you, if you've been injured in an accident and it wasn't your fault, it was someone else's fault, uh, I don't know, you, you broke your ankle, you tore your shoulder, mm-hmm. some kind of an injury, and you want to figure out, without calling a lawyer, without emailing a lawyer, you want to know what does Canadian case law or what does Canadian law say in terms of how much I can get for compensation for my pain and right. suffering. That um, specific online calculator allows you to do that. You basically go on it. It takes about 15, 20 seconds, and it's just pull-down menus. And you tell the calculator, essentially, what your injury is, the severity of that injury. And then it goes through that database of other cases of people who've had similar injuries to yours, And it tells you, here's the range of potential compensation you're looking at for your pain and suffering. But remember, that uh, tool specifically deals with pain and suffering. It doesn't deal with income loss. It doesn't deal with out-of-pocket expenses, medical rehabilitation expenses. Much higher. uh, Which could be a a lot higher. So that's why when you get the results at the end, there is a button there. You can press uh, a consultation button if you want. Uh, if you don't, just close on the browser. But if you do want to have a consultation with us to speak with, with uh, J- James or myself, then you click that button. We get that information. We make contact with you. And then we can discuss with you your specific case. You know, it's something you mentioned back in the uh, the first segment I wanted you to expand on. And that's, uh, you know, someone's on long-term disability. And, uh, you know, they're getting a lancy. They feel okay. They think they go back to work. But it's against the doctor's advice. Does that jeopardize their claim or disability? They want, and, they, and they fail. They go on. They, they can't do it. And they're going to end up off again. Well, there's a distinction we need to make here, and that's whether or not um, the insurance company is requesting or, you know, in the language that our clients sometimes use, demanding that they go back to work. Um, So if they are, if the insurance company is demanding that they go back to work and you go back to work and you fail, um, that doesn't jeopardize you in the sense of you've done something against your policy. If If you're complying with your insurer's request, you haven't done something to jeopardize your policy. That doesn't mean that they won't try and use it against you. Of sure. course they will. But in terms of the language of the policy, no, you're fine. Um, in terms of if you, uh, if your insurance company hasn't said go back to work and your doctor say it says don't go back to work and you try and you injure yourself further, then your insurance company will take the position that your impairment um, thereafter is your fault and they'll probably be successful and rightly so. And all of this is kind of moot anyway, because if your doctor is telling you not to go back to work, don't go back to work. Yeah. Don't do it. Now, I, I, you know, I get that there are financial realities that people are faced with, and sometimes they can't listen to their doctor's advice. But if you can, um, you really need to, because that is what is always going to be in your best interest. If you get cut off, we can bring a legal claim against your insurance company, and we can recover most, if not all, of what you would have been entitled to anyway. 
but your health is much more important and you need to deal with that now. If you go back to work and you do re-injure yourself, there's, you know, particularly if it's not at the insurance company's insistence, there's very little that we're going to be able to do for you either with respect to your policy or, you know, certainly with respect to your health. Yeah, the, the, the only thing that I would add, I agree with everything James said, is that remember, most times when the insurance company starts raising that issue of returning back to work yeah. uh, or, or cutting you off if you don't uh, or denying your claim altogether, oftentimes uh, you're going to have the heads up. It's not going to come as a surprise. Uh, and, and so don't wait until it happens because, again, you know, you're the one that doesn't have the money coming in. You're the one who has to pay the mortgage you know, without anything, with, without, without any money you know, to, 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 to send to the banks. So make sure that as soon as you get a whiff of potentially being cut off, that you give us a call or you email us so we can advise you on what you need to do. If you don't do that, you do that at your own peril. I mean, I have people don't who wait till you get cut don't off. wait. I have right. people contacting me who were told months in advance that this was going to happen. They just never believed it, or they thought, okay, you know what? I'll just go to my doctors. I'll get more letters, more reports. Right. And you know, sometimes that works. But the insurance mm-hmm. company gave you a hard date. They told you by May thirteenth or You're June eighteenth or whatever they're going to cut you off. Don't don't think that they're not going to do it. They are. It's in the system. So if you know that in advance, give us a call. Maybe, just maybe, we can avoid that cutoff. Maybe we can, you know, force the insurance company to back off. But if not, we can take whatever steps need to be taken now so that we can get a resolution going so that, you know, we, we, we can, we can uh, uh, shrink the amount of time that you are without any money. Bridget, yeah. Bridget, exactly. Yeah. We'll get to a uh, quick email here with a couple minutes left. Nancy says, my husband is 48 and he's been on LTD for almost a year because of different psychological issues. He sees a therapist regularly and is on heavy meds. He was told by the insurance company that he needs to try to go back to work at the one-year mark or else he'll forfeit his benefits. There is no way he's ready for that. He was a manager at a large company and the stresses of the job that would kill him if he went back. What can we do? We have to give them an answer by May 25th. The, the word that comes to mind is poppycock or malarkey. Right. <laughs> um, and you know what I'm really trying to say here, John? Yeah. Um, if they're telling, you know, uh, the caveat I'm going to say is, you know, I have to take a look at the policy to be sure. Yep. But virtually every disability policy that I've ever seen, um, there is no distinction at the one-year mark that's going to require that he goes back to work. So I don't know where that's coming from. My hope is that maybe that's just a misunderstanding of what you've been told or what Nancy's husband has been told. Um, but, you know, if they're saying that and it's a standard policy, no, that is not the case. Um, and more to the point, um, I'm not sure what the concern is here in terms of forfeiting your benefits because, you know, what they're saying is if you don't go back to work, you're going to forfeit your benefits. Well, if you go back to work, you're not getting your benefits anyway. So, you know, I, right. really, you, you have to listen to what your doctor is saying. And I think you already know the answer, Nancy. Um, if you're telling me that your husband is in no condition to go back to work, he can't go back to work. Sure. Um, and if they, you know, if he gets cut off, then he gets cut off and we bring a legal claim. That's, you know, that's the way that we have to approach this. But he can't risk his health, um, particularly given how serious it sounds like his condition is. Um, he can't risk his health to go back to work just because his insurance company doesn't understand what's going on. Right. We can make them see what's going on, but that doesn't mean he should risk his health in the interim. The only thing I will add here is that, you know, the last thing that... Uh, that Nancy writes is that we have to give them an answer by May 20, uh, right. 25th, which is, again, to my earlier point, you are going to be told usually ahead of time that something is going to happen. Yeah. So the fact that she contacted us now, 
I just I wish more people would do that before the cutoff date so we can advise them, which is exactly what James just did. And that number, by the way, to do so, one 990 9646 Email is help at the We've still got a few minutes to go. We'll get to more of your questions and emails as we continue the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 9646 is the number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Dennis says, uh, I live in Barrie. My best friend was crossing the street at a crosswalk a couple months ago and was hit by a truck going uh, over the speed limit. My friend was hurt pretty badly. We're both 36 and worked in the same office. He broke his right leg, and the doctor said that he has a bad concussion. He's seeing the doctor for it. Uh, what should he do? I've been trying to help him with his insurance company, but there are so many forms to fill out. Can you guys help him? Uh, we absolutely can. Uh, Dennis, thank you very much for looking out for your friend. I mean, again, a lot of people who contact us do it on behalf of other people who are simply unable uh, to 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 uh, deal with the situation, they have to deal with their health issues. Uh, so, Dennis, really, what we're dealing with here is a car accident, and the legislation in Ontario, the law, states that if you're injured in a car accident, uh, you know there are two types of claims. If it's somebody else's fault, there are two types of claims uh, that you could potentially be dealing with. One is called an accident benefits claim, which is uh, accessing benefits. Uh, that you have through your own automobile insurance uh, or through the insurance uh, of the vehicle you were in at the time of the accident. And the second type of a claim, which is oftentimes the larger claim and the more significant claim, and it would be in this case, Dennis, is against whoever was at fault for the accident. And you're right, there are a ton of forms, which is why we usually take over both claims. And again, to go back to what we said at the beginning of the show, you know, Dennis, your your friend's not going to be paying anything for this, right? I mean, I mean, we're not going to be charging any consultation fees. We charge a percentage of, of the end recovery, which means that until there is money from the insurance company, until we're able to resolve the claim, he doesn't have to expend a dime on us. And actually, for the accident benefits That's right. um, that are going to um, be paid much more quickly than the legal claim will, um, we don't take anything for that as long as the insurance company is paying those benefits. Of course, after they deny the benefits, which at some point they always do, and we have to negotiate lump sum settlement, that's a different story. But for as long as they are paying those benefits without denying them, we don't take a dime. So to emphasize on that point, one of the benefits that you can get through your own insurance company if you've been injured in a car accident is called income replacement benefits. And generally speaking, under most policies, you're entitled to up to $400 a week. There is a formula that we use to calculate that. Yeah. A lot, a lot of law offices, lawyers, paralegals, a lot of them, you know, when they set you up with your insurance company, without any fight from the insurance company, they'll take a percentage of those benefits. So that's what James is referring to, that while we are dealing with that, as long as the insurance company is voluntarily paying for that, meaning we don't have to fight with them, they haven't right. cut you off, we're not taking a dime. We'll deal with all the paperwork. And, and Dennis, you know, it's really important that your friend understands also that because the injuries that he sustained here concussion, uh, a, a broken leg. I mean, those injuries are, are so severe. We want to start that claim against whoever was at fault now. Why? Because that person has insurance. We want to make sure we get that insurance company involved with the claims process now. The longer we wait, the longer it's going to take to get compensation for your friend. So it's really, really crucial that you contact us and we'd love to speak with him off air and we'll make arrangement to meet with him and go through everything. Last couple of minutes here, James. Answer me this. You know, a lot of people, you talked about the reasons not to, uh, you know, make an appeal to an insurance company when you're cut off. If they insist on doing it, is there at least something you can do to help them out or guide them through it? There's really only two things I would say. Number one, um, call me first so I have a chance to talk you out of it. 
Um, but if that's not going to work and you're going to insist on appealing, yeah. my only real advice is do it as quickly as possible. And when you get denied, give me a call right away. The only thing I'm concerned about if someone is insisting on appealing is that limitation period running out. So yeah. if you are going to do it and I can't talk you out of it, fine, but do it quickly and call me as soon as you get denied. Uh, the only thing that I would add to that is sometimes when you appeal, the insurance company is going to come to you asking for more documents and more documents and more documents. And so suddenly, you know, weeks go by, months go by. And again, it all goes, you know, back to the fact that they're just delaying. They're delaying it. They're trying to make you frustrated with the process. You don't want to be in that uh, situation, in that position. You, you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, they denied you a year and a half ago. And now suddenly a year and a half later or two years later, you've decided, okay, I have to go to a lawyer. Well, guess what? We probably could have resolved your claim already in a fraction of that time. So don't be one of those people. Give us a call. If you really insist on appealing, we will help you as much as possible. But I can tell you it, it's it's a mistake from our experience. And you might have to do it more than once because it might make you do it again. Oh, absolutely. Right? In fact, most yeah. people who come to us have done it two or three times already. Yeah. Wow. Well, you don't have to do it more than no, once. No, you don't. Right, I got you, yeah. Let's well, be yeah. clear on that. You don't you have to do it even once. Else. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the day. We'll, uh, we'll give you a number as we uh, wrap it up here. one 990 If you haven't tested it yet, find out what the pain and suffering of your claim should be. That is the Injury Calculator at InjuryCalculator.ca. And as always, email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Till next time, Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.